Okay, let's look at our scripture, which can be found on the back of your bulletin or on the screen. Uh, this sermon is about a doubting priest named Zechariah. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. The word of the Lord. Well, Christmas is in full swing, an exciting time. I don't know what traditions that you guys have. One of ours is to uh, go see the lights at the various neighborhoods. I don't know if you go down to 41st or 42nd Street, uh, where they just, they deck out the neighborhood. I, I shudder to think, you know, whoever buys a house on that uh, you know, street, they're in the family. They have to go and do the lights. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you walk down that street, it's almost, it's almost magical, isn't it? Uh, as you see all the beauty and the lights. Um, we also watch uh, Christmas movies. I don't know if you watch Christmas movies or not. Um, maybe you've wondered, what is it that makes a Christmas movie? Uh, I want to tell you that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Okay? Just because it's during Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas movie. So what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie? And the answer 
is hope. Hope that there is something that transcends the ordinary. Whether it's the Nutcracker or the North Pole Express, or even George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life, that there's something greater that transcends our ordinary circumstances. It's also hope that love will triumph over hate, right? That the Grinch with his heart that's two sizes too small uh, would be enlarged uh, by a little girl named Cindy Lou. Or an old man estranged from his family would be reunited with them because of the efforts of Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. It's hope that in the midst of ordinary, there is something extraordinary. And we need hope, don't we? This world is hard and it's difficult. And we need to know that there's something more, that there's hope for this world. I don't know your state today as you're here listening to my sermon. Perhaps you have hope this Christmas season, an expectation that all of the promises of Christmas are real and true. And I'm happy for you. But perhaps you've lost hope. You've lost hope in humanity. You've lost hope for yourself, that things can change, that I can change. Perhaps you've lost hope in God, that he's real, that he's near, that he cares. You know, there's something worse than despair, and that's resignation. But you see, that's what this sermon is all about. A priest who has lost hope. I mean, if anyone should have kept the faith, it is Zechariah, right? But somewhere along the way, he lost hope. He doubted. Perhaps you can identify with him. But in the midst of his doubt, we see that God meets him and gives him faith to believe again. Zechariah was a spectator in the story of God's rescue. But God made him a participant. Because heaven has invaded earth. The extraordinary has invaded the ordinary, and God has come near. God met Zechariah in his doubt, and he was never the same. And like him, God's plan is the same for us. He is the living God who has come to enter into your life and your disbelief to show you that the promises of God are also for you. See, the Jesus who was back then and out there is right now and in here. For Jesus is not only the hope of the world, he's the hope of your world. So we're going to look at three things as we look at this sermon. Number one, that God invades Zechariah's world. And then we're going to look at number two, Zechariah's response. And then finally, number three, we're going to look at our response. Well, let's begin with number one. God invades Zechariah's world. Zechariah is a man who have lo- who's lost hope, serving in a country that has lost hope. He was a priest. And during most of the year, he would be in his hometown ministering to the people, sharing with them the word of God, counseling and caring for them. 
But twice a year, his division would be called to Jerusalem to administer and care for the temple, where they would prepare the sacrifices, burn incense, take offerings, and hear confessions. Zechariah was a priest, and he was married to the daughter of a priest, Elizabeth. And we see here from the scriptures that their life was devoted to following God. They were upright in the sight of the Lord. And it was Zechariah's time to minister in the temple. You'll remember that the temple was built, that God called the Israelites to build the temple as the place where he would dwell, where he would put his name, and he would put his presence. It was the intersection of heaven and earth. And God told the Israelites that if you keep my law and my ways and follow me, you will always have me. But if you disobey and wander away from me, my presence will go. We know the story, right? That Israel faded away from following the Lord and the Lord sent prophets to warn them and remind them. But they continued to err in their ways. The last prophet was Malachi, 420 years before Zechariah. And we see some prophecies that Malachi made. In Malachi 3.1, he says, See, I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant who you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And Malachi also said, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and awesome day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And after these prophecies of Malachi, there was silence. 420 years of not hearing from God. And so Zechariah's division is now on duty And he is actually chosen by Lot to go into the temple and burn incense. This is a tremendous honor. Most of many priests, I shouldn't say most, but many priests never get the opportunity to actually go into the temple and to burn incense. And the incense table was right next to the big curtain, the Holy of Holies. And so when you would go, you would go in and you would burn this incense. And as you burn the incense, you would pray for the people. You would pray for atonement, for the coming of the Messiah. And the prayers were symbolized by this incense rising up. And it was said that an angel would take the prayers and would deliver them to God. And this had been happening twice a day for 420 years since God last spoke. That would make Zechariah incense deliverer number 312,000. And as Zechariah is doing this, an angel of the Lord appears to him, standing at the right side of the altar. The word angel in Hebrew, malach, means messenger. See, Zechariah is sending up a message, and God sends a message back. And it says when Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. He was utterly terrified. But uh, the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. 
He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. And many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. How did Zechariah react? He was stunned. See, Zechariah knew the ramifications of what this angel was saying. The angel was calling these prophecy, uh, prophecies from Malachi, that the Messiah that they had been waiting for was finally coming. See, all of his life, Zechariah had been studying the scriptures, but at some time, he stopped believing that they would come true. But this angel was saying that this one who was to come, this messenger, would be the son of Zechariah. And Zechariah knew the stories. He knew the power of God. He knew about people in the Bible like Abraham and Sarah who were too old to have a child, and yet God came in and used them uh, to bear uh, the heir through which the Messiah came. He knew the scriptures, but he also knew his circumstances. The fact that they were under Roman occupation for over a century that God had not spoken for so long, that he was minister number 312,000, and that he was old and Sarah was barren. And so how did he respond? He responded in doubt and unbelief. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? For I am old and my wife is well along in years. In essence, he said, God, prove it even though it says very clearly that you shall not put the Lord to the test. And Gabriel said, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. It's a little ironic, isn't it? After 420 years that the people would have to wait a little bit more because Zechariah could not speak what he had heard. I guess it's easy to look down on Zechariah, right? Why didn't you believe? You've been studying this all your life. You've been waiting for this time. But think of a time in your own life, a time of great difficulty and despair. Maybe pain that you experienced from an emotional breakup, a divorce, an estranged relationship with a child. When you went to the altar of incense and offered up your prayers to God, and then you went back the next day and the next day, and you never felt like he was there for you. And at some point, you stopped hoping, stopped praying. Stop watching. We all, like Zechariah, have doubted the character and not believed the promises of God, that he would come through. But in this passage, we see something important, that God hears our prayers and that he never forgets. 
that God has a plan of what is best for us that will happen at its proper time, which never seems to be the right time for us. Because we doubt, you know, I love this. What we don't see is God saying, because you doubted, Zechariah, this is not going to happen. No, he didn't say that at all, did he? He said, Zechariah, you will have a son. Jesus will come. Because Jesus' promises and his plans are greater than our doubt and disbelief. It was the right time for Jesus to come and Zechariah to have a son. And nothing could stop it. Even Zechariah's doubt. One of the movies that I enjoy immensely, and this scene in the movie that I enjoy, is uh, in Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter. And if you remember, Harry is a wizard, and he was born to a wizarding family. But his family was killed when he was young, and he was sent to live with his relatives, the Dursleys, who mistreat him. They don't take care of him, and he's living in the cupboard under the stairs. And at some point in his young life, Harry forgot who he was. But his 11th birthday came. And even while Harry did not remember who he was, there was a community of people that did. And on his birthday, he receives this letter by an owl. Remember that he is to go to Hogwarts. He's been accepted. It's a summons to him to live the life that he was meant for. Well, his uncle Vernon destroys the letter, right? And that's done with that. But the next day, several letters come. And he destroys those as well. But the letters keep coming. In fact, he takes a, a board and he boards up the mail slot so that letters can't even get there. But letters start coming through the chimney, more and more owls. In fact, they tried to escape to this island in the middle of the ocean. And yet the message comes. It cannot be stopped. The plans for Harry will be accomplished. See, Zachariah's doubt could not stop what was about to happen, either in Zachariah's life or the world. So my question for you today is this. Have you received the message of Christmas? The world tries to obstruct it, right? But it can't stop the good news that Jesus has come. We live on the other side of the promise that God has entered into the world. And to us, a child was born. And for us, a son was given. His name was Jesus. And in his earthly life, he declared the love of God for the world. That he came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. That he was the bread of life. That whoever eats from him would never hunger. And whoever drinks from him would never thirst. He declared the love of God and he demonstrated the love of God. By dying on a cross for the sins of his people that we might be free of the condemnation of our sin. And he demonstrated his power and authority by rising from the dead, by appearing to over 500 people and birthing the church 
And before he left, he promised that he will come again to set everything aright. See, we don't need to guess what God thinks of us. We've heard it and we've seen it. But it's easy to doubt, isn't it? That what God wants for us will come true. But like Zechariah, we are called to embrace the truth. That that which happened long ago is for me. That Jesus Christ can be apprehended, comprehended, and related to not only then, but now. That Jesus can work in my life, is working in my life, to bring it to its proper conclusion. So we must respond to the call of Christ, to follow him, to trust in him, to find our life in him. For Jesus is not only the hope of the world, he's the hope of your world. So look to Jesus. He is your greatest hope revealed and your greatest promise fulfilled. Well, how did Zechariah respond? We see that Zechariah doubted. But why did Zechariah doubt? I think this is the reason. It's not necessarily that he didn't believe that the promise was true. But he didn't believe that it was true for him. Notice how the angel responds to Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. Well, Zechariah, I can guarantee you, was not praying for a son, right? He was praying for the redemption of Israel. I mean, I'm sure he had prayed a lot for a son back then when he was young. But he died to that dream so long ago. It was so painful. The house was so quiet. And yet the angel is saying that you will bear a son. And even more so, he is the one who will come in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way of the Messiah himself. He will be the greatest prophet ever given by God. Imagine what that meant to a man like Zechariah. What an unbelievable source of pride and joy. But Zechariah had no children. He died to that dream. So it was like he was saying to God, why me? And God was saying back, why not? Zechariah was thinking, what have I done to deserve such an honor? And the answer is nothing. See, the gift to Zechariah is not because of the goodness of Zechariah, but rather because of the goodness and graciousness of God. The name John, by the way, in Hebrew means God is gracious. See, this was God's sovereign will to bless Zechariah and Elizabeth. But Zechariah was saying in his mind, that's, that's not the way it works. See, Zechariah understood the law, but he didn't understand grace. 
See, grace is good news. It's not good advice. It's what God does, not what we do. It's God's sovereign decision to bestow his blessing and his honor because of the actions of Jesus Christ, not because of ours. And so Zechariah involuntarily blurted out, I don't believe it. Think we're often the same way, aren't we? We live in a world where survival of the fittest is the law of the land, right? We've even created our own scripture. God helps those who help themselves. But Jesus came full of grace and truth. The word Zechariah in Hebrew means God remembers. And the word Elizabeth in Hebrew means his oath. God remembers his promise. The promise that he made to his people so long ago to provide a son that all the world would be blessed through him. That in this Savior, we would receive the favor and honor and blessing of God. Why me, you may ask? What have I done to deserve this blessing? I don't have it all together. I have to be somebody before I receive something. I don't believe that Jesus came that I might have life and have it to the full because he knows who I am, a sinner. I'm excited to show you something from the old Rodriguez family lore. It's my merit badge sash. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm still actually working on several, and I'm, I check the mail every day. And I do believe that other ones are going to come. This basket weaving one, I know it's going to come, you know. The merit badge, you, if you were in the Boy Scouts, you remember this, right? You would, you would work on something. There was a list of to-dos that you had to plow through. And if you did it and you made the cut and you made the grade, you would get a merit badge. We all have sashes, whether we know it or not. They're invisible, but they are the hoops that we jumped through in order to be valued by the world, right? Our education, our assets, our accomplishments. And it's based on this that gives me entree into all of this. So shouldn't it be the same thing with God? No. That's why Jesus came. Because you can never accumulate enough merit badges to merit the favor and blessing of God. But God has revealed a righteousness apart from the law to us in the person of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus was sent and died on that cross, a gruesome death, to take the curse that we deserved so that we could receive the blessing of God, the unconditional love 
of the Father. The presence of God, that he would dwell with us through the Holy Spirit. That he would honor us. That we would not have to live our lives in shame, but rather we could receive the sentence of righteous. Is your sash your accomplishments? Or is it the finished work of Jesus Christ? That's what the gospel is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. That Jesus would not just be the Savior, but my Savior. That Jesus would not just be righteousness, but my righteousness. That God would not just be the Father, but my Father. Jesus did not come to save the world. He came to save you. So believe that the promises are true. And believe that they are for you. Dare to believe that he wants to know you. That he wants to take up residence in your heart. That he has a plan for your life. That will culminate in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. See, we can find our joy in him today. Our strength in him today. Our identity in him today. As we open our hearts to his grace. Because Jesus is not only the hope of the world. He's the hope of your world. This brings me to my final point, our response. The angel pronounces sentence, right? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and all that I have told you is going to happen. But for now, you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Zechariah was struck mute and also deaf if you read the scriptures. He couldn't hear and he couldn't talk. And why is that? Why did God do that? I think he did that because he knew that Zechariah needed time to process all of this. Zechariah needed quiet. You know, when you can't hear... Or talk, who are you going to talk to in your mind? Who are you going to listen to? I think the answer is God, right? Zechariah needed to reconnect with all that he knew about the Messiah. And he needed it to go from here to here. And so God gave him a time out. That he would not just know religion, but that he would know grace. See, that's really what Advent is all about in the end, isn't it? We're waiting for Christ to come again. But we know that Christ has come. And we need quiet. We need time to sit in silence, preferably out in nature. You know, every day I go out to my treehouse with my journal and my Bible, and I just sit and I stare and I listen. And talk to God, and he talks back. We all need time to be still and know that I am God. 
in this Christmas season, we rush and rush with our headphones and our cell phones and our presents and our decorations. And all those things are good. Maybe. But we cannot know Jesus in the hustle and bustle of life. We cannot hear him if we don't stop and listen. See, in the end, my sermon is not enough. Because you need to hear it from him, right? And Jesus is not silent. God has come near. So my challenge for you this Christmas season is to dare you to seek him. His presence and his voice. For Jesus says, ask and it will be given. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, the door will be opened. For Jesus is not only the hope of the world. He's the hope of your world. So look to Jesus. For he is your greatest hope revealed. And your greatest promise fulfilled. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That you sent your son, Jesus Christ into the world to redeem our lives, to give us a new righteousness, a new identity, and all of the blessings and promises that you have given us through your scripture. Give us the courage to stare into your face, to ponder you, Jesus, to seek you and speak to us as you have come into this world And you desire to be near to us and to show us all that our Heavenly Father has for us. And we pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.